Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. Man, it's Friday, and it has been a long week in Oklahoma. I'm sure y'all know. Did you get hit? I saw you post pictures on uh, on Facebook. It looked like your car, but I guess it wasn't if you're here today. Yeah, it um, it was my uh, my friend Josh and Megan's car. Um, they they live here in Norman, and um, and, and they sent me pictures. It was like uh. There was like a couple pieces of hell. It was like golf ball size, but there was like softball size hell Dude. that hit out here. And uh, and so and it's interesting because because uh, Wilson, you know, our other guy that yeah, yeah. does podcast with us, he does that for a living. I'm like, man, come back to Norman, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got work, buddy. What about you? How'd y'all make out? Oh, everybody. I'm sorry. Hell, I didn't even introduce our guests, man. We got Skylar Tudor here from uh, Oklahoma City, or more now, I guess. Yeah, uh, uh, I actually grew up with Skylar. He's a uh, He's been a local working guitarist for, God, the last 15 years, you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, working guitarist, 15 years. Yeah, well, (laughs) in and out of bands and and doing whatever gigs, you know, gig work that that being a local musician is. Anyways, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thank you for being on. Uh, How'd you guys make out in these big storms we had? Uh, Not too bad. So it kept pretty pretty south of of Moore. I live in North Moore, uh, like super North Moore. So we got some high winds, but mainly a lot of floodwaters. Yeah. Yeah, it flooded here, but I swear the hailstorm literally went on the edge of that property mm-hmm. over there. Like, it was close. And spiky hail. Like, it's bad enough. You got softballs falling on, on you, but then you got to put spikes on them. Right. These are the most insane-looking hailstones <laughs> we've had in at least the last 10 years. Seven years. Eight years, I guess now. 2013 was that big, yeah. big crazy year. Uh, wow. Anyway, how's it been going, man? Oh, Catch us up. Yeah, it's going good. So, uh, probably one of the last times we saw each other is when you uh, we sold me that guitar. Oh, oh, yeah. By the way, guys, if you hear a random guitar riff start playing, don't mind. Just go with it. Uh, yeah, he brought me uh, brought me an old love, an old flame back to torment me here. Is uh, what is that? A four hundred one ESP LTD uh, four hundred AT four hundred AT gold top. Oh, it's a beautiful guitar. I knew as soon as you drove away, I was like, my wife even, yeah, she's like, you're, you're not gonna, you're gonna regret that. <laughs> like, well, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was more just bringing salt, you know, pouring salt in the room for you. <laughs> ah, it's good, man. Visits. Supervised visits. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad it got in someone's hands that's actually gonna pick it up and play it, man. There's a lot of people anymore that just put it on their wall for like some sort of decoration. And I mean, it's, it's whatever you want to do, but I guess, uh. I don't know. In my opinion, they're made to be played. You mm-hmm. hang it on the wall, but I mean, play it. You know. Yeah, I, I try and rotate. Out. I've got like five or six guitars right now, electric guitars. And... Yeah, what's the V, man? I saw that the other Ooh. day. That's a pretty cool axe. So I, this was the, the the gold top that you sold me. That was the last guitar I had ever purchased. Okay. Um, and so we had effectively, I'd gotten a bonus from work. And I was talking to my wife, and she, like, it was her idea. She's like, you know, you haven't bought a guitar in a while. Wait, like, wait, should... wait, 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 back, yeah, back yeah. up, back up. Say that again. <laughs> my wife. Whoa. Tracy, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, after we had discussed, she had uh, mentioned and approved that I hadn't purchased a guitar in a while, so I was, you know... The, the, the purchase order was approved. Wow. We'll, we'll say that. And so... It's a good uh, woman. But she got to shop with me. I, I couldn't get anything boring. <laughs> it was kind of the agreement. And so uh, we decided to go with a V. I've always wanted a V. And um, we, we just saw that one. It was like slime green. Hey, I, man. I need that. I need that. That's, <laughs> that's not boring. Um, never had a Floyd Rose. And so I'm this full... This Jackson King V kind of... Came across the screen, Dang, so I waited man. months for it to come back into stock. It had been out of stock for a while, and finally the musician's friend, rep guy, called me. He's like, dude, I got it. I'm like, <laughs> sell it. <laughs> so Jackson King V. I've had uh, the the Shark Fin V, mm-hmm. and I've had a, Car- a Carina or, you know, replica, remake. But um, I actually like the, the symmetrical ones a lot better. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't do like the Randy Rhodes. Yeah, I mean they they look awesome, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm almost six foot four, and those guitars they just look kind of weird on me. The Jackson, the little shark fin ones. Yeah, but the King Bees, uh, they kind of fill out a little better. And plus, playing sitting down, you can manage that a little bit easier, you know. But 
Uh, I haven't had a V in years, man. It's nice. I mean, I will say this. Floyd Rose are, like, the worst. <laughs> I don't regret buying the V, but I, I do find it more difficult to maintain the, the Floyd Rose. I was going to ask you, is it, is it just because of just dealing with the string changes or is the actual maintenance overall? Because I hate it. I, oh, well, they, they had one for a while that was a snap in place. The strings, but the strings were specialty. They came with two ball ends, and literally, you just snap it into the headstock, and you snap it into the bridge, and you tighten it up, and oh, that nice. was all. And I was like, "Why didn't this catch on?" Because I haven't seen them in years. But yeah, I don't like dealing with the Floyd Roses, but man, I sure do like dive bombing the shit out of one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Like once, it's like a, a dragster. Like it's not, it's not for longevity. It's, yeah. it's just for a short quarter mile. So. Um, I, I do find that the maintenance of the Floyd Rose is a bit cumbersome. Uh, I, it's good for specialty stuff. I will, I'll get it nice and perfect and tune it up for like a song that I'm working on, but it is not my normal, it's not my everyday carry. Hmm. What other kind of gear are you running these days, man? I know you got quite, you got a few axes and, and I know your, your amp life has changed dramatically <laughs> as, as, as has mine over the years. It's interesting to see how players develop, but yeah. no matter what, you can still recognize it's it's them right the flavor know? of the of the artist so um right now i got about five or six axes uh that i play regularly i try to rotate everyone you know give everybody a little bit of love every now and then i'm not the kind of guitarist i think you and i talked earlier about i'm not the kind of guy who just buys a guitar and throws it up on the wall for looks yeah, yeah. i don't buy it because it was a hot take at one time you know um i don't i don't buy the the ice man from ibanez <laughs> No Whoa. joke, I had a music teacher Whoa. try to talk me out of it. <laughs> and he did talk me out of it. Um, he's like, you want to be cool, don't you? Like, I was like 13 at the time. But, uh, so right now I've got um, various ones. I don't try to duplicate guitars. So I had, like, the, one of the first guitars I ever purchased was an Ibanez RG120. Like, it's super cheap. Yep. Uh, candy Apple Red. And I, I put some, like, matte black hardware on it. Um, and then I have an Epiphone Explorer which I use for a lot of... I've played that low. one. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I brought that over that yeah. one time. And, the Explorers uh, is a... Man, it's weird. You know, I never got into Explorers, but I love the Firebird. And Firebird's nice. Uh, I think it's actually I think it's actually got a little more width through the middle, and mm -hmm. that's probably why I like... It just sits differently to me. The only problem is the headstock gets heavy, and you don't really have that problem with the Explorer as much. As much. I, I still have... Like, I still have to hold the neck. Like, I can't yeah, just, like, yeah. you know, move my hands. It, it'll, it'll fall... Um, but I, I've used that one for a long time and that's currently my, like my super low tune, heavy gauge string. Like that's my workhorse. If I want to just pull in some just heavy, heavy, just deep guitar, yeah. you know, baritone stuff. Like that's, that's where I go. Um, and then of course I got the, the gold top, uh, and then I have the Jackson V and I custom made one. Uh, I, I kind of you know took a page from your book and uh well i started well, that was your first mistake right yeah <laughs> uh i didn't I, I didn't cut anything i didn't cut any wood i uh i took the safe route and i bought like a diy kit uh online yeah and uh, i went with like an sg style uh but i was able to sand it re recut you know certain things and uh alarmingly a lot of work it was way more than I thought it was going to be i was like oh i'm just going to snap this in going to get some wood glue and i'll be done no yeah. oh, no man. no no um, but it turned out way better than I could have anticipated. Um, I, I did, I just went to like Home Depot, found like this nice black cherry wood stain. Um, and it is, it's now like my favorite, like just D, like drop D guitar. Yeah. Like that, or no, it's in D standard now because I play a lot of ghost with it. Was that like a, is it a set neck or did you bolt that one on? I bolted it in. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a separate neck, um, went in just kind of like a, like a strat, you know, wood. Um, so I, I would I actually just wood glued it in and then the only like screws that are in there is just the one screw for the strap lock. Oh, so it's like a hybrid of sorts. A little bit. Set and bolted. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> that's cool, man. But took it to a, a luthier that, that's down the street. He has he has a shop. Um and um he looked at it and he's like, This is freaking cool and I was like, Well what do you normally charge to just do a setup? Because I wanna make sure I'm not messing this up and he's like, Well normally I charge fifty, but uh, let's make it 10 bucks. Like he wanted to do it. And I was like, all right, cool. So nice. Nice. And that's, that's just guitar fans, man. I mean, mm -hmm. if it's a legit cool piece of gear, yep. I just want to play it. Especially like when you start looking at like some of the vintage amps and it's like, I, I didn't get into that until let's just say recently mm -hmm. within the last six, seven years. Like I've always been kind of a tone hound, 
but I never realized the real difference until till you do it till somewhat yeah, recently. Don't knock yeah. it till you try it, right? And and I never was a Fender amp guy. I never dove into Fender amps or any of that. But here, within the last six years or so, it's kind of one of the only ones I want to play through. If I'm going for clean. You know, right. once you start cranking up the gain, you got to... Well, I was going to say, what do you think about the Mustang series? <laughs> uh, good for bedroom jamming. Yeah. I mean, the all digital things, to me, that it, it has a purpose and it, ha it has a puzzle piece so that it fits. Mm -hmm. But bringing a show to the stage, I just can't get away from the, the tube amps. Right. You know, as far as just filling a room and having that tone... I mean, digital, you can recreate it the same every single time. Mm -hmm. But, and then with the analog, your tube amps are going to have variants. But, but that's what kind of brings life to a show. Absolutely. Yeah, that's part of the excitement, you know? Right. If everything sounded like the album, then you wouldn't have as much turnout as you do. Well, I was going to say do, as you did pre pandemics. <laughs> oh, my God. This last, the whole, this whole last year, year and a half has just been, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to put it into words. It's it's never let a good good disaster go to waste, I guess. For sure, <clears throat> man. Did you get to see any gigs throughout the whole thing? I got to see a few, but not many. So my my family kind of just took the safe route. Like we weren't super extreme about anything, but um, I I would say I I believe the last concert I went to was Metallica when they were in Tulsa, mm -hmm. like January of 2019. So I had waited yeah. a full year. I, I'd let that full year go to waste. Um, but I, I didn't really, we've been out most of the year. Um, we recently got vaccinated a couple, you know, weeks ago was my, like, it's totally effective date. So we finally went out to a restaurant, sat down for the first time in a year, and then we went to go see a movie. Um, so that, that was pretty nice. But, uh, as far as shows go, I'm, I'm jonesing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, me and my wife, my wife worked on the COVID floor with patients. So right. it's like, we had to keep it pretty locked down there for a while, but. Uh, at the end of the year, we, we got to see a couple of gigs, and like you know, she was always where she was at. She was always first up for dibs for the vaccinations or medications or whatever they had available. She got first shot at it. So um, we got to see Buck Cherry, and we got to see uh, Smith and Myers at the end of last year, mm. and then beginning of this year, we saw uh, we saw some stand up comedy, which they finally brought that back to the Looney Bin at a reduced reduced crowd. But it was man. Oh. It, it reminded me how much it's not just like a concert that I love to do. I just love to go see perf someone get up there and perform right. and, and kill it. And, and comedy is another one. We've had a couple comics in here. It's just, it's a whole different form of art, but it's just as challenging as, as getting up there and playing a guitar, or doing right. whatever you do. And, and it, people, you know, when you start thinking about it, this illness, this virus mm -hmm. killed all that. I yep. mean, a lot of people are out of practice, out of doing the gig work. So I think this, the first wave of shows is going to be, uh, if you're a live entertainment connoisseur like we are, and you like to see like how on edge till this thing fails is this band, it might be a good time to go see some of your favorite bands. Yeah. <laughs> it might be like seeing them back in the garage, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. No kidding. So like that, that's one thing that, that I've noticed throughout this whole thing is you really get to see who's driven for success. Yep. Um, a, a lot of, you know, we'll, we'll say already made artists. So you're talking, you know, um, you know, the guy from machine head, uh, uh Matt from, uh, Trivium, like major the, label guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guys that, you know, made guys, right. Um, they're, they've really taken the bull by the horns and have gotten on the whole internet success train. You know, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitch, they're doing the live streams and they're, you know, for the lack of a better term, they're, they're, they're whoring themselves out. Like, you know, when most people starting out would, you know, I'm going to go play for exposure. I'm going to go, you know, play, play, play for free, play for free, play for beer tickets, whatever, yeah. you know, VZDs. And, um, that's not too proud to do that. That's a big deal. Right. Dude. I love playing VZDs for, for the beer money like that. <laughs> they, they usually give us a case of beer like this. And then like whatever percent of the door, right. I'm, I'm like, I will take it. Yeah. You let me drink all night and play the music that I like. <laughs> And I get some extra money on the side. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, but going back to the days of having to sell tickets to play a show, like you can't play here unless you sell this many tickets. 
you know, the 89th Street Collective was, was big on that too. And, you know, call me an old fart, but like, I feel like that's a perfect rite of passage for, for bands starting out. I, I hate the process, but I think every, every band should try to experience that at least once. Yeah, the pay-to-play thing isn't really all that old. It's it's a fairly new concept, I guess, in the, in yeah. the whole setting up gigs kind of thing. Right. But you, you hear both sides of it. Mostly what you hear is negative because you have to have money to up front to play these gigs. You have to buy your spot, basically. Right. And a lot of bands starting out ain't got the money, you know. Yeah. But like you said, that's also that also shows like how hard are you willing to grind right because and starting a band is essentially starting a company a lot and yeah. it's not the big party and shit like i i thought it was back in the day right. like there's actually a, a money-making venture behind this mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you look at it like that and you start thinking about it it's like you know like you said hell i'm, I'm having fun just doing it for free so mm-hmm. anything extra is just that you know right and so. I, and i do, I do want to say i don't think that everybody should go through the pay-to-play just for the sake of rite of passage. I know I said that, but it's it's more for the experience of the business side of things. Yeah. Because well, I mean, you you got to have an idea of like what the industry does because mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, promoters and stuff. Uh, in in uh, call, whenever I was living in Colorado and working, uh, you know, helping out a couple different promoters, they would uh, they would no matter what the the job was that you were doing, they, if you were a photographer, they would they would come to you and they would say. Um, Oh yeah, you know, you want to build your portfolio. You want to come up here and you want to take photos of this concert. We'll give you we'll give you free entry and we'll we'll give you uh, drinks and all this kind of stuff. And at some point, the that person that's doing the photography is like, "Man, I want to get paid." Right. Like I want to do, I want to get paid money to do this, you know, for a living. It's a career, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they come to them and they go, "Oh, well, you know, we decided not to use you. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're we're gonna try someone else, and then they do it to another person, and they do yep. it to another, and that's really big in EDM uh, that they do that, and they they use uh, they use the promoters, the dancers, the 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 people that um, do all that, and then and so like a lot of times, these bands like uh, some of these venues will will try to you know there's always a there's always that side of it where a lot of places are in that that right frame frame of mind that heart frame of mind of loving music and that they'll they're actually doing it for the right reasons and then there's a whole lot of venues that are doing it for the wrong reasons where they're like oh well we can get some bands to play a free show for us and we're going to pocket all this money at the door yeah and so and 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 so there is that and um and so i mean uh, there was a there was a show over the the weekend um and uh, i went to and yeah and we all we all uh like didn't pay to get in it said free on 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 facebook you know and and so we all go in the show we're sitting there and then on over one of our friends show up and he was like man what the hell man i just paid seven dollars you guys said it was a free show and we were like what they Apparently, started charging after a they, time. they started charging after a certain time but but on the but then the our other friend walked over to the door guy and was like yo right on their facebook page it says this is a free show and the door guy's like, well, that's not the venues page. That's the artist page. And it's and like, y'all ain't on the same page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm like, who, like, what, you know, like who, uh, who set this up? Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so like they ended up, I guess, like giving him a free drink or something, you know, for, for his troubles of sure. having to pay to get in. And then they didn't charge nobody else from what I heard. So that was oh, the right wow. thing to do, but they didn't have to do that. They could have just been like, oh, well, you know. Maybe, well, somebody messed up. Everybody needs to pay. Uh, you're right. right, man. So no, if you that's that's and that story is as old as fucking putting on concerts is. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, and that's frustrating. And I, I, like I said, I haven't experienced the management side of a gig a whole lot. I mean, I've been involved with the backstage kind of putting it together, but not on a on a big scale. Mm. I'm a, I have been on it from the performer side of it and and there's some fucking snakes even at the local level like you got it's like really we just got started this is like our one of our first gigs and I'm already having to deal with one of those people right like, god damn but what are some of your experiences with it just shady ass people that call themselves managers and producers so <laughs> we were lucky enough that uh, when I was with a band called code 22. Uh, our bassist was kind of our manager. You know, he would go out and talk to venues. He would go out and do some promotion. And 
um, he he was not new to the scene, and so he he kind of I guess you'd you'd say shielded some of us as performers yeah. from the the shady stuff. But um, ultimately, we we didn't really have too many bad experiences. But that's just because we had some experienced musicians who knew already which venues not to talk to and which ones to work with. And so we, we made ourselves familiar with the scene first as we were, you know, practicing and, you know, trying to, you know, get out there. And so we kind of stuck around the same handful of venues. So, um, you know, a lot of like Oklahoma city stuff. So you mentioned the blue note. We played there once or twice, mm -hmm. uh, VZDs a lot. Um, I, we always enjoyed playing that place. Um, 89th street collective yeah. is what it's called now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there there were a few places like the I think it was like the green the green door green, door. green door the one uh, in Bricktown or the original the original the original was was in that 89th uh, before way back it was conservatory it yeah was, it was green door conservatory 89th street oh, okay okay I so think, yeah right? we we played it when it was the conservatory and when it was 89th yeah because I I remember the conservatory mm -hmm. I I I um uh, I've and I've been to the Blue Note or sorry not Blue Note the Green Door downtown. Mm. Uh, whenever that's that's the Green Door I yeah. knew. Oh, not Green Door, Chameleon Room. I had the, okay. the I had green in my head. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm actually friends with Reggie Wheats, which is the guy that used to own the Green Door. Okay. So yeah, so I think about the Green Door a lot because that was one of my favorite venues out mm -hmm. here. Whenever it was ours there. too. That, I mean, that that place was was just straight fire for like underground performances because they'd usually get like some decent big name coming in but then they would be really cool about hiring local, local yeah, artists that's cool you know and so like when we had red jumpsuit apparatus come through um i believe that was 2011 um it, my band opened up for him and that, that, that was our bassist was like their biggest fan uh he's super big pop punk punk rock scene and so like that was like a dream come true for him i'm pretty sure that was like one of the pinnacle live moments for him that's awesome man. unfortunately i mine like there's no way i'm ever gonna open for metallica so hey man <laughs> never, never know i mean it's it's wild how with the with the way things are now and and the way you can distribute your own thing and do mm -hmm. online if you're a hustler you can be you can i yep. mean it's it's crazy but it's so many things have to line up perfectly it's yeah. like we were talking with the podcast idea it's great to have a podcast but everybody has a podcast nowadays so it's like what are you going to do that's different mm -hmm. you know everybody's trying to be joe rogan joe rogan covers a huge canvas you know he, he has phds and ex-junkies on like everybody that has a cool story right ours is we try to keep it more let's keep it with with the live entertainment thing especially here locally because oklahoma is so fucking spread out yeah when you hear of a gig it's like cool man where are you playing Ardmore. 160 miles away i'll uh catch you next time <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much oh i remember those tulsa shows man um so you know we had a pretty okay fan base for who we were right, right. We, we were like nerd rock nerd punk type of stuff and so we had a niche you know level of fandom and uh you go to tulsa and it's like we're playing like an empty empty bar tonight guys but uh uh, it's it. You're right. It is interesting to see the the diversity of live performance here in Oklahoma. Like when I was growing up, like you either went to Arkansas, Seattle, or you know you tried in California, maybe. Um, Depending on what you wanted to play, there it's right. like the genres had a location in the United States. You yeah. know, you had your L.A. rock, you had your Seattle grunge, mm -hmm. and and Nashville, you had your country, and it's like those are the places you had to go to become in that scene and now it's like the scene is online mm -hmm. to to get recognized you have to be recognized online and then you go to these locations and play the show it seems like it's kind of backwards from how yeah. from how it really started out and like i haven't been in a working band since the myspace days it's been a long fucking time so i don't even know how the digital thing I know how it works, but I've n I haven't had to actually feel the the pain of it, the sting of it. So, yeah. why don't you, can you go into detail on that a little bit? I know you've had some some disappointments with the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's it's like the pros and cons of the big labels. Everybody's like, oh, it's such a good thing the big labels are broken up, and then you have other people that are like, yeah, but they had control and they had a way to make make you a star, basically. Sure. If you were on a major label, you were made. You made it. Yeah. And it's not really that way anymore. 
Nah, man. So I, I've had a few different experiences that kind of opened my eyes to just how many different avenues an artist could take. And and there are some pitfalls, but there's some there's some real yin and yang with it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, being an online artist, you ultimately do have full control, especially if you're doing original content. Now, if you're you know just bedroom cover artist, I mean, I've played my fair share of covers and posted them online. Uh, you still are susceptible to copyrights and and you know the labels and the production companies owning that content. Is that more prevalent on YouTube alone, or is that kind of all over now? It, it spans across. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you know the Facebook umbrella, so you know Instagram, Snapchat, things like that, are way more lenient, unless the production company like gets wind of it. So ultimately. If you have any kind of like uptick of success with a particular mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. where the label or somebody at the label is going to see it, it's going to get flagged. I, I've had countless people post on like their Instagram stories of, you know, insert production company here uh, uh, blocking like eight of their videos because it was like their favorite band. And so they posted a ton of videos of that band or of them playing playing songs by that band. Um, YouTube. So, you know, Google in general super strict yeah um mm-hmm. i i've had a ton like i usually don't post there anymore unless it's original content because i like to play metallica covers um so, some rammstein covers and both of the the labels or the the production companies that work with those bands uh flag it like instantly so it's before i even post it there's a copyright claim and this isn't with a backing track this is just you playing this is an original cover so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so, not playing with a backing track or anything. No, no. I, I the only thing I've done, uh, like my most recent one is, I, I did a Metallica cover and I pulled like, you know, a Guitar Pro tablature mm. and uh, I just pulled the MIDI file for the drum track because I'm not a drummer. Uh, I can't keep time that good, and so I just did that. But it was all digital drums. I didn't pull any of the original audio. So. Um, you know, the, the drums were, were midied, but bass guitar, uh, was, was all me playing. And so that was, like you said, all original audio, but it still got flagged. Um, which you can kind of think of as a badge of art. It's like, oh, well maybe I played so good. If you played good enough that the actual software, the AI thought that you were the bassist, right. you know, take that algorithm. Amen. But, uh, <laughs> but so that, that's kind of the bad is if you're, just trying to have fun or you're just trying to do covers because that's ultimately what's going to get you likes in the first place and that goes back to old band days you don't start as a performing band playing yes. original music because nobody gives a shit um you play top 40 you play top 40 yep. man you you that's go down you the do. list you play inner sandman you play yeah <laughs> you, i mean you play sweet home alabama you know and and lose some self-respect but <laughs> ah free bird is <laughs> I think Freebird is is worse because you always have someone yelling it out. Yeah, even if it's for chuckles, but then once it's yelled yeah, out, it's, everybody's like, "Okay, okay, yeah, do go it. ahead, <laughs> come on, do <laughs> it, play it." You know you want to. Um, so that that's one of the avenues is is starting out as like a cover artist and getting recognized. Um, well, okay, the problem that I have with it, I guess, is probably on the in the same yang in that yin yang is when you're talking, like I watched the Rick Beato. He's a yeah. producer, and, and his is, is is obviously educational. Like he yeah. takes songs, he breaks them down, and he makes, says, "This is what makes this song great." Mm-hmm. And he doesn't play the songs for entertainment. I mean, he's chopping them up, he's explaining how they go together, and he gets right. flagged all the time. And it's like I, you can't even recognize that it's the song for more than a couple of lines at a time. Right, and unfortunately, with a lot of internet stuff, it's. It's still the Wild West in terms of like laws and everything. There's still copyright laws, but ultimately um, it's so open to interpretation. Anybody could flag it and more times than not, the platform is going to go ahead and flag it because it's easier to just say, oh, well, somebody has copyright claim. We're we're not going to go through a legal battle. We'll just claim it. The person can dispute it if they want, and then we'll look into it. Um, But usually the platforms aren't going to review unless you dispute. And I've learned that unless I feel super strong, like none of this is, you know, original content, you know, or, you know, original audio, this is still all of my audio. Um, 
you know, I, I won't dispute it. I'll just be like, okay, well, I guess that one's not getting uploaded to YouTube. I'm going straight to Instagram. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and even if, even if you win the dispute, is it going to get buried? Like, right. You know, like, but I don't hey. know. So, so that is, like you said, the Yang. Okay. Um, now, as far as how artists can thrive in an environment like this, you know, a lot of artists were forced to be because of the pandemic. Yeah. And I know two specifically, I, I won't call them out at the moment, but two specifically that have been wildly successful. Um, one of them is a local Oklahoma artist who, you know, was in a band that I played with. I didn't play with the band, but my band played with their band. Um, and since they're not touring anymore, the band's still together, but they can't do anything. He went forth and just went full-time into doing master classes and instructional videos, kind of like, uh, you know, Rick, Rick Beato. Yeah. yeah. Udemy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's doing, I can't remember what platform he's on, but he's doing multiple platforms of doing masterclass videos. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, Patreon has been I, a big I, I told an old, because uh, um, I, I knew a lot about that stuff back in the day. I've, I've read a lot of books like Four Hour Work Week, things mm -hmm. like that. And uh, and uh, this teacher uh, that I had, like, um, he, he would teach these courses or in the class and stuff on um on business organization whatever and and i was like i was like why aren't you putting that on udemy and just making it a free course for your students so then we can just go watch the videos of you doing it so then we can understand what you're doing because because yeah. uh, oh you know sometimes it takes a few times to see it to understand it and i was like and you could charge for it if you wanted to to people to learn it and and so then he actually started doing that, and, the, and a lot of people are, are going that route where they're creating those master courses, they're creating this yeah. course on Udemy, there's like, uh, what is it, um, there's the other ones, but anyway, yeah, like there, there's a lot of, there's about five sites that, that do that, that you can just upload videos, and so if you have the video, you can upload it to all of them, mm -hmm. and and um, and Gary Vondercheck, he, he talks about that, that when it comes to social, and it comes to the media, and, and internet, and the web, mm -hmm. and all this, that people ask him, well, what platform do I use for this? And he's like, all of them. Yep. Like you don't you don't choose one, you use all of them. That's why that's why if you install Restream and you're streaming on the internet, you stream to all of them. You're paying twenty dollars a month for that app. You stream to every single app available. Right. You know? And that's that kind of goes that, that that's a good segue actually into like the next step of being, um, you know, a professional independent musician without a label is is distribution. And I, I didn't have a great experience, but I also acknowledge it was a learning experience for me on my pitfalls of how, how not to do something. Mm -hmm. um, so I came out with an EP in 2019. So around November of 2019, I came out with it. my first EP. It was like, I did everything myself. I Dave Grohl'd it. It was just all, you know, in the bedroom. Nice. And I was proud of it. And I didn't know jack about like okay well how do i get on itunes how do i get on spotify like how do i get on these things and so i was looking at you know content distribution and there were a few of them out there um well, you know one of them in particular was distro kid uh that seemed to be pretty popular amongst at least the instagram artists that i was That's watching i hear about yeah um and they it's like 20 dollars for a year or at least it was when i signed up and there's like yeah we guarantee that you'll at least make your money back because we put on all platforms you get paid by the stream and we don't necessarily take a cut because you pay to use the platform you get 100% of the royalties. And I was like, all right, cool. So, I mean, at least I'll make 20 bucks at the end sounds, of the year. Uh, sounds too good to be true. Kind of. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, as a short attention span male, I didn't read any of the fine print or anything. So, I'm sure there was something in there about, you know, you should probably promote yourself. You should probably <laughs> send these links to people and post them and show them. Uh, and so that's something I didn't do full on. I was just like, oh, it's going to be on these things. I'll share them on my own personal platforms and, you know, I'll post it on my corporate bio page, you know, shameless self-promotion there. But, uh, I didn't actively create ads or, or, you know, Instagram promotions. I didn't put in the money that they don't tell you about. You also have to pay to get things promoted, yeah. Google ads and Instagram ads and, um, that's what's going to get the views. You know, if, if, if there's any Instagram artists that have, you know, posted a video and then you get like 18 different comments saying, oh, this sounds great, DM us for a feature. They don't tell you that they're going to charge you 50 to $100 to get a feature, but they quote unquote guarantee, you know, 5,000 views. Um, 
That's it's, it's payola. It's the new age payola. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And so that's the new pay to play is is if you want to make it, if you want to be recognized, you've got to promote yourself in ways that that you know you normally wouldn't even as a live performer. Like live performer, you know, I remember going out and posting flyers. Like yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I've That's, literally gone yeah. to places and be like, "Hey, Mister, can I please put this poster in your window?" And um, when know. I was uh, when I was in high school and I was a uh, local artist promoter, um, I, I I played like maybe one or two shows with this like one band called Thorny Amy, um, and and uh, and then but we we had these friends as Kismatic, um, a local metal band like back in the day. Eddie Tucker uh, was a drummer and stuff. Really cool people, um, and. Uh, Whenever they would do a show, we I would I would like go to like Crossroads Mall or uh, the other malls, and I'd walk in and I'd just walk up to people and I'd have like a stack of flyers yeah. and I'd just be like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" And they're like, uh, "I don't know." And I'd be like, <laughs> "I'm like, you're going to a show. Here's a flyer. You you have a good night, all right?" And then I walk away and and uh, and so like we'd actually get people to come to shows that way. I mean, you had to have street teams. You had to go out and do all that yep, stuff. Yep. You hear that you you hear that from like bands like Lincoln Park. And back in the day, the the Lincoln Park Army and all that kind of stuff, and Kiss Army and all those, like those are all street teams that used to go out and get people to go to those Kiss shows. Made and... their career off of their live. They're, they yeah. were not selling records. They the the Kiss Alive came out, and that's when they, that's when they made it. And it's because of that, like you said, that yeah. street level. It's that street level yeah. street teams. Yeah. It's a, it's the same idea in uh, in politics. You know, like the people go out and they just like hire all these people to go out and do it. Right. It's the same idea in music industry and everything like mm-hmm. that, where you get all these people that. It's still one of the most effective that. ways to do it, but in a pandemic, exactly. all you all you have yeah. is, is the, the digital platforms, yeah. and all you have is those spam accounts oh, <laughs> those freaking yeah. spam accounts on instagram like oh hey i really like your stuff but by the way only dm this account so people will create all these aliases and um and i and most artists don't recognize that they, they'll they'll see like once you see the dms for a feature like you know that's a spam account but um i probably recognize a spam account when i see it more than most because of my professional career, which is IT security. Like I can oh, see yeah. just based on the username or the handle, like this is not a real person. This is not a real account. Nobody gives a shit about my music and I'm a terrible person. <laughs> well, and then, but... and, then, and then you start looking at it, you get like 0.0001% and it's like, okay, that what's that times a million? Right. How much and do I have to How have? much do I have to put out there? But... <laughs> But I, I, I catch myself because I follow some of those promotion handles on like Instagram because I, I some of my favorite independent artists, so not famous people, but just some of my favorite artists that I've seen on Instagram do promote themselves on those platforms. And I see their content usually there first out instead of their own thing. So I get that that stuff works. Right. Um, but I have to catch myself because I honestly, personally, don't want to give those promotion accounts the likes. I need to scroll down into their description of that video, find the original artist, and then go like that post on their platform. And that's, I think, what's really hard for artists to understand is that a lot of those promotion platforms, they're going to give you a shout out, but it's like way down in the description of that platform. Now, the good ones, they'll say first line, hey, original artist, this. And um, I'll, you know, I'll be definitely, if I like it, I'm not clicking on the promotion. I'm going to click on that artist. I'm going to yeah. go to their page and find that video and whatnot. But um, if someone's just a, you know, bedroom warrior and they want to post their content, they want to make it famous, but they know that I have to pay to play, uh, they're not going to get as many likes as they think they are because all the views are going to happen on the promotion page, right, right, not, not right. on their page. So, so that's a lot to navigate, man. Yeah. And all I can suggest to people out there is to navigate slowly. If you're an artist or whatever and you're trying to figure this thing out, man, you're just like the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean if you, it, it, it's old and cliche, but if you love what you do, you're going to put in the time. Exactly. And I'm, I'm kind of torn between two loves. Minus my family. You know, that, that would be top love, right? It's just kind of always But there. if we're talking about like <laughs> profession and hobby, I'm torn between two loves, which is IT security, which I'm, you know, not get too much into it, but I'm a paid hacker. Uh, and, and music, you know, I've, I've been playing music since I was seven. So you were talking about how I've been a, a professional or at least a gigging musician for 15 years. I've been playing guitar right, right. for almost 25 years. So, you know, add a decade to that. Um, 
and I, I love doing it and I have at this point in my, my life no aspirations of making it big. Uh, but I, I like being a gun for hire. I like doing sound engineering for people trying to like produce their own music. I like popping in doing a solo here and there for some friends. And and even if it's a that's what this idea. I'm, I told my wife like <clears throat> I sit around and bullshit with my buddies about music. Anyways, right? Like <laughs> why not do this? You know, and and the the ultimate goal, like I said, we have ambitious plans for you know owning a venue, having our own promotional and media thing in our own scene it's in the works takes it's not something that's going to happen overnight but at the end of the day um even if this just turns into a nice little self healthy side hustle right i mean i got a good job i mean i'm a i make drugs good the pharmaceutical like I didn't want to get any judge. <laughs> I didn't want to get any judgmental. I like the I like the pause. Uh, that's that's hey, the only can, can reason. Can I talk I, to you after this podcast? <laughs> that's the only reason I actually took that job because I actually uh, I applied up there for a electrical maintenance spot. You know, that's what I've always done, and and I just finished up my electrical schooling, so I'm like, ah, this be a good gig, and I got down between me and two other guys, and I didn't get it. And I'm like, ah, well, whatever. And then they sent me an email like a month later, like, well, we got this other spot it's in manufacturing. I'm like, what are we manufacturing? She says, drugs. I'm like, when can I start? <laughs> For no reason other than I can introduce myself to my friends as I'm a drug manufacturer. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's why, I mean, I said I'm, I'm a paid hacker. That, that's way more glamorous than it actually is. Right. right oh yeah. If you, if you just say that you're an IT security analyst or whatever, yeah, analyst yeah, yeah. or whatever it is, then people are like, "That's fucking lame." And then right. you're like, "You're like, no, I mean, like, I could destroy your whole life." Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? I know. That, I mean, you you can put it in those terms that you know. I, I get asked. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm famous. You know, I get asked all the time. What do you do, Scotty? Uh, but you know, you tell them, oh, I'm in IT security. Oh, that that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I try to spice it up. A little, yeah, I spice it up a little <laughs> bit. I was like, oh, well, I'm I'm a corporate hacker. You know, companies pay me to hack their websites so they can find the vulnerabilities. And like, oh, that sounds really cool. Can you like get stuff for free? I was like, I have before. <laughs> it's like I can't tell you where. <laughs> but you know, we we luckily I, I'm in a great spot where my company lets me work from home, so I, I get to you know, kind of combine those two passions. I, I get to take my breaks and go do my hobby. I can't, I, I don't have to wait to get off work to right, go home and, right. and play. Right. Cause when, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm off work, then it's family time, you know, maybe I have some 15 minutes here and there. That's not really enough time to, you know, crank out a, a recording or anything. You got two youngins now, don't you? Yep. Just had, just had oh, a little boy. Man. Well, just, uh, he'll be six months next week. Dang, man. Congratulations. So you Thanks. got one girl, one boy, huh? Yep. I got a four year old daughter and a six month year old boy. Busy life. God, one is one is busy. I can't imagine. I um, my buddy, my buddy and his wife got three, and I'm like, oh Jesus, how do y'all make plans to do anything? It it's <laughs> it's rough. Like, I mean, mo most anybody that's a parent will tell you that the cliche is true. Like, oh, it's the most rewarding job in the world, and everything. And that it's true. It has I mean, its moments. It has its moments. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, it's it. I'm not the type of person that's like, oh man, I wish I didn't have these kids. I, I do. I, I I'm glad we have them, and I would not want any other life at the moment. I don't. I don't know. I don't really. I never really questioned it. I was yeah. just like, well, this is this is life. It is know? what it is now. And yeah. Now it's your responsibility. So you kind of have to. You made it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's your mess. You clean it up. Right. <laughs> but no, I, I like doing what I'm doing, and and being in the industry I'm in, and having the opportunity, you know, working from home, being full remote, the company giving us an option to go back. Like they're, they're opening up their office in Oklahoma city, you know, next week. And I have the option to stay full remote or go back. And, uh, I'm choosing kind of a hybrid model. Like I'd like to get out of the house every now and then it's been a year. Yeah. Um, but I still want to be able to like, Oh, I'm going to take my lunch break so I can go do some recording or I can go do some writing. Like I don't have to be in a corporate setting at that point. You know, I was kind of thinking that after this, all the dust settles on this, you know, all these companies, now that they've had to have people working from home, it's like this, there was this distrust with, mm -hmm. from the corporate level on their employees, but now there's like, oh, you mean they will stay and work from home. They'll stay logged on. They'll, they'll do their job. Yeah, I, mean, there's I wonder a... how much office space is going to go away 
after this. A lot of empty buildings. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, what do you call it? Whenever I was doing security, uh, I worked at um, Fidelity, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they they had a model where um, they would they'd have like three days or two days that you could come to work, and then three days you could be at home. And the software had a camera, and you had a personal computer that was owned by the company. You were on their server. You were on their internet. They'd set it up in your house. And, um, and so then like you would log in and you'd be on camera and, and you would just sit there and do your job. And what they would do is, is that if you were going to log out or have to go do something like, you know, bathroom or anything like that, you basically just hit a button and then it would just pause it and it would say like stepping away. So then they would know that you stepped away and the moment you came back on camera, it would automatically pick up that you were back on online yeah um and so they they designed it that way so then they could actually like me- measure like how often people are taking breaks how often they're doing certain things so actually it made them more productive and, and it was because they what they would say is as long as you put in this many hours a day they didn't care that you took a 30 minute break as long as you just went back to the computer and did your hours yeah. and so and, and that's what a lot of people did and so like uh, it worked out really really well for that company um, I know um, when I was in business school, we would study it. Uh, they, they've tried every different model. Um, Google has a really great model um, on how their living situations at the company are, that they have all these different things to do in the company um, to give people something to do while they're at work to take their mind off work. And they would actually make time for them to take a break and say, we want you to work on your own projects and come mm-hmm. up with your own ideas. And so if you're a software engineer, then, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, I have this idea for an app. And, and Google would benefit because they a lot of times those apps that you would come up, they would buy them. Well, and, then, with, yeah, and, with, and even then they own them sometimes, you know, because they own your ideas. That, yeah. um, but there was a this one company uh, that you study in IT and, and at classes and, and stuff like that out there in Silicon Valley. Uh, I forget the name. It was like Sotobox or something like that. It, it's some company but like what they did was they built a campus right and they had their main building where all the business happened where all the computer technology stuff was going on and then they had a country club next to it and they had a golf course and then they had a neighborhood they literally bought a neighborhood and they literally had people living within 15 minutes of the workplace they basically built a city themselves in silicon valley and the whole point was was that their idea was that they wanted to eliminate the traffic. They wanted to eliminate all these issues that these people had getting to work. They wanted to eliminate all that, and they wanted to make them feel like they were there. The problem is, is that what they found over time in, in human resources and stuff was that it was almost cult-like. Yeah. Because, because these people became part of you're this always at work you're always man. at work yeah. yeah you're always at work you're hanging out with your your co-workers you're you're doing all your stuff together at the co-workers and stuff like that and and those campuses are like that i mean like um the uh it has like a big outdoor area for people to do stuff it has a an area inside for food i mean it has everything you would ever want in a job like mm-hmm. if you go to work but over time if you're hanging out with all those people and you're doing all those things then Visible. it ends up becoming Miserable, yeah, and then yeah. and then people end up wanting to leave, you yeah. know. And, that's and why so people that's... are bailing on on. I won't say the name, uh, but it's a software development company in Oklahoma City. Um, that was my previous job, and so they they made it an amazing campus, um, where it was like one of the best jobs I ever had, you know. But um, it also it, it became a little too much. They they wanted people there all the time, right? And they they didn't trust their employees. So when the pandemic hit, um, it took them a long time to trust their employees to work from home. So they, they had no intention of working, of doing work from home uh, when the order was first given. And then they had to, they, they were forced to because of, of, of the mandate. Um, and they, I think they're going back next month. So I guess next week, but um, they're going full back. The, the hmm. person in charge uh, has no intention of allowing people to work from home if they can help it. And, and, that's causing a ton of people to start looking for, for jobs. And I've had people reach out to me. Yeah. If you have yeah. a, if your corporate mentality is you do not trust your employees to do the job that you interviewed them and you hired them to do, that's a toxic management culture. That's not a toxic employee culture. Right. But whatever. But I, 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 I we'll, we'll get back on the positive. So the, 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 <laughs> I, I don't want to say we're just, yeah, it's just a bitch fest now. <laughs> it's like, I, thought, I thought we were listening to people talk about music and shit. 
But but as far as all right, yeah. so we'll get back on the, the online distribution and, and stuff that goes with that. It, it, as far as a, a local artist or a lower rung billing artist that's trying, that's really mm-hmm. making steps. You gotta be on it. And gotta you invest. gotta be on it a lot. You gotta be prepared to invest not just your time but money. Um, so when I was you know back in the day, uh, there was a there's a service called Taxi, and I think they're they're still around. Um, but what they do is they allow you to upload your content and they don't necessarily promote, but people that are looking for content. So like, uh, TV shows, pay, you know, cable access shows, whatever, um, they can go and find, okay, we need like some, you know, poppy music to be like an opener. And then we need like, you know, a segue and then we need a closer. I get a lot of those. Yeah. And ads. so I, I had a, a professor at Rose State College where I went for cybersecurity, um, say that, yeah, yeah, he, he makes about, you know a thousand to two thousand dollars just extra a year based in royalties from some uk you know public access show that, that bought a song and is like okay we just want these three clips but every time we pay these clips you get money right and i was like that that's kind of the coolest thing i think i i could do is like make content that people are going to hear whether they know it's me or not yeah um you know because i'm not looking to make it famous i i know me I mean, you hear you hear that you hear yeah. that about Hollywood and big actors all the time that you find out that they did commercials in Japan or China right, or something yeah. like that, and and you're like, what? Why would they do such a low gig? It's like because all those little gigs add up to mm-hmm. this like a lot of money. So well, and and to have a gig that keeps the lights on, keeps the bills paid, and is secure, right? And then you have a healthy side hustle. It could up to and including exceeding your day job income, right? I mean. But the thing with that is, it's not a steady gig. So you got to have the security and you got to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a it's a balance. And it's like I'm learning how to do it here recently too, because I, I had the same kind of thing. Like I was so fucking corporatized, I was just fed up with it. I'm like, I'm not working for another fucking company mm-hmm. and investing into it like it matters because it doesn't. Like I'm gonna go build my own thing, and right. then if I fail, then I failed. But I'm not gonna put in so much all this effort and then have um, ultimately other people reap the benefits for it right and that just it just ate at me for years and finally tracy was like are you gonna fucking quit just quit please you, you know <laughs> yeah. we'll figure it out but this is not ha- you're not happy this is not healthy and uh sometimes you just got to listen to your woman you know like you know buying a guitar hey hey <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, Tracy has allowed me to buy guitars, but she has never told me to go buy a guitar. I do what I'm told. <laughs> well, right, hey, so man. I'm looking at this, and uh, you uh, submitted some tracks to us, so uh, yeah, do you want to play them? Oh, my bad. You beat me. <laughs> so let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap this up. Uh, what are we going to listen to? Uh, so what, tra- what tracks do you have pulled up? Uh, the, uh, what is it? The Cake is a Lie and national disaster yeah so that that is off the ep that i released that is no longer on there because i you know i don't think i i I, uh, finished my my distro kid story but i think in a course of a year i made a dollar 20 oof yeah so i so we we need to get those listeners up then well it's (laughs) let's do it it's no longer up there uh (laughs) unless you're on my google drive baby um or you can go to my instagram and, and see some of the stuff there but uh so my EP was called National Disaster, and I kind of took a page from Dave Mustaine's book when he came out with uh, Dystopia. Uh, it, that was kind of like his State of the Union address, yeah, yeah. effectively. Uh, and so a national, good album, too, man. Dude, that, that album is awesome. I could talk for hours about that album. Yeah. Um, that but, album, it almost, it, it, it almost made me like re-recognized Megadeth. Yeah. It, it sounded like Megadeth, but it, it was... I don't know. It had a lot more energy to it. And that's kind of what I felt about, not to go on another tangent, but about Death Magnetic with Metallica. I, I would agree with that. It, it was definitely Metallica. It was like, okay, I see you now again, but it definitely wasn't, you know, yeah. Injustice for All. It, it was a Master of Puppets, but it was definitely like, okay, 180 from St. Anger. And Death Magnetic. And Death Magnetic, Yeah. yeah. Those two, it's almost like it's a, it's because Metallica, you can sum up their career in, in eras, phases. Right. You know, and I think they that, evolved. Yes. And I think the, the, um, Hardwired is the first of their swan song series, yeah. I guess you might say. They're, they're latest I mean, metamorphosis, they're, metamorphosis. They're getting up there, you yeah. know, and the, the energy level required to stay at that type of music is, 
every age, you know, mm -hmm. father time wins them all, you know? Sure. So it's interesting to see how they're, like you said, they're still Metallica, but it's, it's, it, that's part of being a fan too. Slipknot's the same thing. You'll hear guys, oh, fucking Iowa, man, Iowa this, Iowa that. Like, I love the Iowa album. Mm -hmm. But when you listen to that album, you're hearing a lot of negative. Like that's a dark album, and yeah. you cannot keep they that were energy going through up. some stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can't keep that energy up and survive. I, and they lost a guy, you know. So yeah. did Metallica. Mm -hmm. I mean, that type of frenetic pace, it, it you know, art imitates life in a lot of ways. You know. Yeah. If if a band doesn't evolve and change their format and change almost how they do everything, you know, over time then that band's not going to be successful. I, I don't think. You can't be the same band over and over. Like, the album can't be the same thing. You can for two, three in a row. Yeah. After that, people, as much as you, you'll hear them hate the change, you're not going to keep moving if you don't... If it's if not necessarily in your songwriting style, but mm -hmm. in, in just the way you present a product, the recording process. The cadence everything. has to change. Yes. Um, that's how you keep people interested. That's yeah. how you change the pitch of your voice when you're giving a presentation on something is if you stay monotone people are going to lose interest and they're not going to listen to you anymore you have to keep the, the flow yeah. changing and that that's what i like about brendan small uh who did like metalocalypse you know that the death clock band he came out with his own uh galacticon series like it's brendan small it's not death clock it's brendan small's galacticon uh but i watched a few of his clinics on how he does songwriting and everything he does piece by piece is okay i wrote this phrase how can I contradict it? How can I make sure this sounds completely nothing like what I just played? Right. And so it keeps the listener interested. So uh, that said, let's listen to some bullshit of mine um, <laughs> that, that may or may not keep your interest. Uh, so National Disaster was kind of my, like, I don't want to say it's my state of the union, but it, it was definitely like, okay, I was going you know through some, some shitty feelings about where we were as a country and whatnot. And um, while I don't do lyrics, in a lot of my stuff, I keep it instrumental just because I'm, I'm not really a, a lyricist. I'm, I'm a riff guy. Yeah. You know, if I had to, you know, take a quiz on, you know, which Metallica band are you? Or, you know, band member, it'd definitely be James Hetfield. I'm, I'm a riff guy. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my stuff was emotional, dealing with not just, you know, the state of the country in a political spectrum, but, like, dealing with some, like, religious bullshit that I, I dealt with, you know, we won't go into the story now, but you know, I, I had a hard breakup with religion as a kid. I remember when I, when we were kids, you were, you were very involved in the church. That's one way to and, put it. Uh, I was probably a bad influence on you at the time. <laughs> Me and my, you weren't the worst. Devil rock and roll. <laughs> you, you weren't the worst. Uh, but there were some influences at that grocery store, brother. Oh my God. But stories. Uh, oh yeah. Probably crimes committed. I mean, I'm not sure you can car surf on a forklift or an icy parking lot. I admit I mean, to nothing. I mean, if you did it, then you can. Uh, the statute of limitations has got to be run out. Okay. Yeah, can you? I did. I mean, can you? Uh, uh, I had a supervisor <laughs> one time. He uh, he was doing a, a training with, um, it just rained outside, and he's doing forklift training, oh, and uh, and the sergeant was like, it's like, yeah, I mean, you could drive this thing anywhere. You could drive it across <laughs> the gravel, and I don't know where he like, drives it in the gravel, and it gets stuck, and like the, the forklift is just stuck in this gravel. <laughs> and he calls up the the uh, the squadron that handles that, and they were like, "You did what?" And he's like, "He's like, I I got it stuck in this gravel. Why were you driving in the gravel? It just rain." And he was like, oh, "I was trying to do training," and <laughs> and so they they were pretty pretty pissed off at him for I that. But we were all anywhere. laughing our heads off, like we were just <laughs> cracking up. Okay, so let's well, hear it, man. Yeah, yeah. So the the first track I think you have pulled up is National Disaster. Mm -hmm. All right.
was pretty cool, man. What was that called? National Disaster. National Disaster. Dude, that sounded like it was well mixed. I was like, this was done in your bedroom? Holy shit. Yeah. Very T- good. Thank you. T- it took me a while to do it. It was, uh, you know, again, having a full-time job and a family. And then this is kind of like my, my hobby. It, it was a passion project, but it was in small increments of passion. <laughs> Well, very cool, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's wrap this up. We'll close it out on one of your, uh, on the next song. What was it? Uh, the Cake is a Lie. Cake is a Lie. Okay. Yeah. Well, you got any uh, Instagram plugs, Facebook, anything you want to put out there, man? Let them know. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm primarily on Instagram. Uh, so it's at Skylar.Tutor. So um, check me out. Uh, I do have a YouTube, but like I said, I, I usually don't post there too much. So if you want to get most the most up-to-date content from me, go to Instagram. Awesome, man. If you guys are looking to uh, do some studio work, you need a hired gun, uh, I mean, I, I, I would highly recommend Skyler to come in and work with you. He is definitely a riff, riff master. Thanks. So uh, I guess Jonathan close us out, and we'll take it away with, with uh, one more song. Um, yeah, so we want to do a shout-out to uh, Johnny Hollis and Elizabeth Turner on the single Flowers. Uh, that was at the end of the episode of the last episode uh, that we did with uh, Chad Carr and Johnny Hollis. Um, and then... Um, Damian Aranda came in, and uh, he, he called me the day they finished that. It was last week, and, and he sent me a... Uh, it was a rough, uh, like, an unmastered clip or whatever, and that dude is a beast. So if you guys hear the single drop, man, go get it. And if you hear of Aranda playing a gig... Go see him. I seen him a couple weeks ago at a benefit concert for a cancer patient, and they tore the house down. That is a that is a that is a strong band, straight out of Oklahoma too. Killer. So uh, the uh, the local earshot podcast runs on the value for value system. That's time, talent, and treasure. We value your time for listening and. Um, the uh, talent, uh, basically, if you're if you're in a band, if you're an artist, if you're a engineer, if you're in the industry at all inside music, uh, we want to talk to you um, and uh, hear your story and just have you come on and just talk about music. Uh, and then uh, treasure, uh, we do take donations uh, at the local backslash donate. Uh, we take crypto and we have Cash App and also we have Vitmo and some other uh, different little apps that you can uh, submit through. Uh, and then also uh, we do the podcast through Anchor currently. Uh, they offer uh, donations on the Anchor page um, link whenever you show there that you can actually do subscriptions. Um, yeah, so and then uh, so uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to play out the song. Uh, the cake is a lie, um, and you all have a great day. Awesome, man. Skyler, thank you so much, and you guys go check him out. Yeah, thanks for having me.